0: If you have a Bible with you this evening, it'll be Romans chapter three. Or perhaps you'd like to reach for the uh, the translation that is there in the chair—the New King James Version—that's on page 758. Uh, just to make that handy for you as well. But we'll be in Romans chapter three, and we'll begin reading here at verse nine. We're going to return to a series now that we actually started last fall. We had a good—I don't know—maybe seven, eight, nine sermons on the doctrine of adoption. It's the doctrine of sonship, or I've said many times, being a daughter, a daughter of the Most High God, our Most High King. So this doctrine of adoption. And I'd like to actually march through several sections of Romans, because we wanna get on down to chapter eight, uh, where we begin to pick up uh, that actual language, uh, that we're sons of God and we're led by the Spirit of God. Well, that's down in chapter eight. But we wanna, we wanna start marching through some of these chapters and, and following along Paul's case, uh, certainly as we're learning something more about the legal status, and that's what it is. It's a, it's a legal relationship, Even and I've, I've said this actually in one of the sermons, even as our son is hoping to adopt another child, that's, an illegal, that's a legal arrangement. And so that's why in our Westminster Standards, our secondary standards, those documents that guide us about Bible doctrine, uh, both justification And adoption are placed in this category of a legal category. It's a binding, contractual, a covenant category of God's favor of grace. That he not only justifies us to vindicate us, but he also welcomes us into his family. He legally adopts us as his own. And that's the language that we'll we'll start using as we get a little bit more into these chapters. Uh, But anyway, that's where we're going. We'll be picking up this sermon series once again. And we're going to march through some of these chapters here in these middle sections, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 in in Romans. This is the word of God beginning here at verse 9. He is speaking about the topic of man's sin and sinfulness. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is not one who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and uh, misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the, under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the end of the reading of God's Word. Let's pray. O oh Father, we would ask that these wonderful words of life would come deep into our hearts, uh, teach us, we would ask, and may Jesus Christ be the focus and be at the center of all things. And so we pray your rich blessing upon us now. Uh, lead us in your Word, uh, confront us, disciple us, build us up, that we might be uh, transformed according to your Spirit and by your Word, and to be fit servants its servants in this new week. In the name of Christ, we ask. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not typically think of the doctrine of adoption and being a son or a daughter to be a doctrine that is to have a historical focus. Let me put it to you in the form of a question. Do you ever think about sonship? Do you think about the doctrine of adoption adoption being rooted in history, being linked in with God's providential dealings in history? Linked in with God's providential dealings with redemption, the story of the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ in history. Now, I say that because I had the tendency myself to be thinking about adoption and to be thinking about being a son of the Most High God, to be a son. And I typically am thinking more about my experience. After all, there's so many passages in the New Testament that talk about being led by the Spirit of God. That the Father guides His children, that fatherly care for us. We sometimes think of His comfort, His provision. We sometimes think, of course, like the book of Hebrews, that he has a fatherly measure of discipline in our lives. He loves us, so he disciplines us. So I'm thinking about experience. I'm thinking that my tendency is to think more about my experience. Well, the lesson of experience will come. I don't want to downplay that. That will come. But here we are in a chapter where we're being taught as we're setting up now something of the line of thinking and the line of teaching and lessons in the book of Romans. We're being taught, first and foremost, as we're thinking about salvation, certainly that righteous standing with God is all over the place in these chapters, of course. But we also have in our eye, our mind's eye, is, are these lessons of this legal relationship that we call adoption. And Paul is not going to be talking about our experience here. He's going to be talking about linking in with what God has done in history. So let's look at two lessons here tonight. We're going to look back in the first place. We're going to look back. Look back with the Apostle. And then we're also going to indeed uh, look at the present now that we have. The present now we have. So we're going to look back. And we're going to look at this one word that he says, now. We're going to look at now what he has done for us and its ongoing meaning for us. So we're going to look back, first of all. We're thinking now, according to the passage, that we're to look back and what God has done for us in history. Look at verse 21, Romans 3 at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Just those opening words, but now, but now. Those words, but now, are a contrast. They are, there are words of a contrast. And so, as sons and daughters, let's just start in right here. As sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, He is about graciously teaching us and graciously instructing us, He tends to our learning. He's nurturing us as students. We open our Bibles up, and we want to, you know, here it is. We open up our Bibles wherever we might be in our Bibles. If we're reading about the, the story of Jesus, if we're reading about the prophets, if we're reading about King David back in the Old Testament. Bible students, and as sons and daughters listening and learning from our Heavenly Father, we want to, we you know, gather the facts of the story. We want to embrace the promises that are offered to us in the storyline or the place that we're in in the Bible here. Uh, We want to be ready to receive correction. But in doing Bible study tonight, those two opening words, but now, they get our attention. There's a major contrast going on. There's something new that's happening here. Paul is bringing a sharp change in the direction about his teaching. Paul has been addressing how God has been working with the Jews. And this is where we start now to just explore a little bit. The lessons that we're learning tonight are linked in with history. Paul has been addressing how God has been working with the Jews. The Jews, that Old Testament nation, uh, is that nation with many privileges in her history. And Paul has just mentioned the matter up in chapter 3, on and back, actually chapter uh, chapter 2 at the very end. He's mentioned about this Old Testament sign of male circumcision. He's also mentioned the matter that The Jews have had the instruction in the law. They've been privileged in their history. That's where we're going now. They've been privileged with their history to have this instruction in the law. He's gonna mention other privileges that Israel had down in chapter nine, remember that. He's gonna mention other privileges, other gifts that God God gave uh, to the Hebrews, the Old Testament people of God in their history. And you you know, if you take a look at Israel's history, it's almost like a connect the dots page. Boys and girls, sometimes you have a Connect the Dots page at home. Here's your page, and there's dots all around that page. And you can kind of make out what that picture is. But when you start connecting those dots, all of a sudden before your eyes, a picture is formed there. And I thought in my mind here as I was preparing this message, you might think of the picture of a crown. When you think about Israel's history, God had gifted Israel. Almost like gifting her with a crown. And also, this picture of a crown was to remind her that God is the Lord. Israel's underneath and God is above. Our God is Lord. Well, Paul has been discussing the Lord's working with the Jews. But also, Paul has been discussing his work, the Lord's work, with the Gentiles, the Greeks. He said early on, back in chapter 2, that the Gentiles who do not have the law, They're missing that kind of gift, in a sense, we might say. They do not have the law, but by nature, they do the things in the law. By nature, they do the things in the law. And Paul goes on to say, they show that the law is written on their hearts. See, Paul is starting to root us in history some. And he will summarize, look down at verse 29 of our chapter. Summarize this in verse 29. Our God is is the God who's been working with all the peoples of the earth in this sense. Look at the question in verse 29. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. So all I want to do is summarize that when we start to look at this major contrast at verse 21 in this chapter, those two little words, but now, Paul has packed inside those two little words, thoughts, and notions and God's providential dealings of His people in history. They have, there have been privileges, there have been workings, there have been responsibilities that both Jews and Gentiles have known. For the Jews, or sorry for the Gentiles, you might even say, there's this notion that they are creatures made in God's image, just made in God's image, and because they're made in God's image, they know they have an instinct. the written of God, the, the law of God is written on their hearts. And that's why Paul tells us, by nature, they do something of an instinct. They follow the conscience that that law is written upon their heart. So whether it be talking about the time in history where Israel has received these various gifts, the oracles, the teachings, the law of God, the sign of the old covenant, circumcision, or whether we're talking about the Gentiles and having a nature that would follow right and wrong, a conscience, because the heart has upon it the law of God. Paul is summarizing, these are those gifts that have been given. These are the ways of God's dealing in history. So let me ask you, as we start in with this lesson tonight, and thinking about these coming sermons, do you think to yourself that I have these privileges, I have these gifts, I have the, good, the, the various kindnesses of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord given to me, And it's linked in with his providential history. That what he wants to teach me about adoption, what he wants to impress upon my heart of being a daughter of the king, a child of the king, as that hymn goes, as that hymn will say. Do we ever think about God's dealings in history? Because that's what he's been talking about. He's been talking about these two peoples, Jews and Gentiles. Certainly, his major theme, I I readily recognize, recognize that with you tonight. His major theme is the sinfulness and the fallenness of man, all men, Jews and Gentiles, as he said. The whole human race is under sin. But Paul has been laboring in these ways. So think of this. This is not far removed that our God is the God over our lives. He's made us in his image. Dear friends tonight, brothers and sisters here tonight, God has made you. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17 that he's appointed you to live where you live. The Bible tells us in Acts 17, he's appointed all men, implied, all men and women, and the places of their dwelling and the times and seasons of their lives. Paul has these kinds of things in mind as even he's been rehearsing the story of the Jews and God's work about the Gentiles in particular, being made in his image of course the Jews are too but the point is they have that law written upon the heart they don't have the outward tables and the tablets like the Jews did but God but Paul has these things in mind that he has made every nation he has determined their times and the boundaries of their dwellings but even more so as we think about those two little words but now do you have your heart and mind set upon the God who is Lord of history Lord of the nations Lord of his dealings, the Lord of his providence in history. You know, fundamentally, that's what the Bible teaches us. Why do we root salvation in history? Because our God is the God who accomplishes great deeds. Listen to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? This is who our God is, Psalm 77. Our God is the God who works marvelous deeds in history. But friends, there's more. Our God is not only the God who works marvelous deeds in history, but our God is the God who interprets those marvelous deeds in history for us. He sheds light upon those marvelous deeds for us. And that's one point to drive home to our hearts tonight. Tonight, if you're in Christ Jesus, that means to say, if you love the Lord, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you have turned from your sin, even this long list of sins that we see here in Romans chapter 3, if you've turned from your sins and you've embraced Christ, you've gone to Christ and and to... and to, and to cast yourself upon him that you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone this very night. You are a God. You are, you are serving a God who is Lord over history, Lord over your life, and is the God who has brought his son into the world just at the right time, born of the woman, born under the law, to bring about that salvation, that redeeming work, that only he can do and our God is the God who also accompanies that salvation to explain these good gifts that he gives to you he is not the God who merely does the strong arm the revealing of his strong arm of acts but he tells us what those acts mean and that's why you have so many stories boys and girls so many stories like with Joshua when Joshua led the people across the Jordan River There was the instruction to stack those 12 stones. Remember that. Pick up those stones and stack them on the other side of the brook, the river. And as you stack those stones there, they would be memorial stones. And then the question would come. Remember that? The question would come. Dad, Mom, what do those stones mean? That's our God. Our God, who not only does these acts, but he accompanies the acts to explain and to interpret and to teach us about his mighty saving power. When it comes to the doctrine of adoption, adoption is rooted in the saving acts of history. And I extrapolate this, friends, from Paul's lessons about the Jews and Paul's lessons about the Gentiles. All mankind being under sin, all have a desperate need. But this is our God who works in history. Let's go on. One other lesson tonight. Not only are we looking back with the Apostle Paul, seeing that adoption is anchored in history. We also want to look at the now. Paul will tell us again at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. And I give focus now to the word now. This is a word of sudden breakthrough. This is a word that speaks of when the room is completely dark. Boys and girls in our new home, in our upstairs home, it gets completely dark up there. And I am constantly going for my flashlight. I need a light in order to see. The point being, this word, but now, that word now is this word of a sudden breakthrough. I think of two images arising out of this passage. Two images, two sort of pictures for our minds here. There is now the spoken word. The spoken word with this but now. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. There is a spoken word. God is breaking through. The light is coming on in the room. And God is breaking through with this word now. And it's, and it's a word of speech. Now there is promise. Now there's counsel. Now there's hope. You see, back earlier in the same chapter at verse 19... Look at verse 19 with me. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. There it is. Chapter 3 has been recording for us that man's mouth is closed. Man's mouth has been silenced. Why silenced? He's lost and broken in his sin. He's guilty before the all-holy God. But God breaks through and he breaks the silence. He breaks the silence now by saying a righteousness of God apart from the law is now revealed. He breaks the silence. I also think of the picture image of light. There's light where there had been darkness. Look at verse 21, that word revealed. But apart from law, now righteousness of God is what? Revealed. Revealed is to make visible. Revealed is to make clear. Revealed is now to disclose, to show. And if we keep drilling down with the Apostle Paul here, if we cre- keep drilling down, this means that because God has broken the silence and because God has broken through with light, Paul is wanting to drive home to us that God is the source of this righteousness. God is the source of this righteousness. He's the one who makes it visible. He's the one that brings the disclosure. He reveals himself. He reveals his character. Our God reveals his plan. And friends, this is related to adoption as well. The Lord has spoken that there there might now be a word of promise to his children. And the Lord indeed has broken in with light where we were darkened in our understanding. Blind in our darkness of our sin. Our God has broken through with the light because he has provided a righteousness through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's revealed his character. He's revealed his plan. He's revealed the wonderful gift of having access to him. I thought this week of an illustration. This vantage point, this high point where God is now speaking a promise but now the righteousness of God apart from law is revealed and God with that emphasis of of what has been revealed is breaking in with light breaking in with light when things are so dark dark because of our sin dark because of our hopelessness I thought of the illustration that when I was in high school I can recall going to Rainbow Peak and south of Anchorage there in Rainbow Peak it'd be up there in the 4,000 footers the 5,000 footers and I would hike up Rainbow Peak. I did it multiple times. But there's a place on Rainbow Peak when there all of a sudden you come across several switchbacks, switchbacks on this trail going upward. And particularly on those switchbacks, there's a place where there's a grand vista. You can see, as we say, for miles, miles and miles. But what really catches your attention is the Highway the old Glen Highway, Seward Highway, going south of Anchorage there, and you look down upon this highway, and boy, does it look like a snake, right? That road looks like a snake, windy, turning. Once in a while, you'll see some stretches of a highway, but then all of a sudden, several more snaky-like features of this highway. But here you are up on this vista point, this particular outer edge, this ledge-type feature, and you can just look out and just watch the traffic, and that's what you would do. You'd see these 18 wheeler semi-trucks going down the highway. They're heading back up to Anchorage. And lo and behold, there'd be a small BMW or a small Mustang behind that semi-tractor trailer. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to pass. <laughs> From our vantage point, we look down on that, on that snaky, windy road, and we say, no, 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 no. Because we, we see what's coming. <laughs> And all of a sudden there's a long stretch and he darts out a bit trying to get an angle to see then he he slides back over. You know the drill. You've seen that happen before. That illustration is what Paul is telling us. From the vantage point of being able to see how God is the one to break through with light. God is the one to break through with his speech of a promise. Now there's hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. There's a vantage point there where Otherwise, you would be blind. You'd be deaf and dumb, speechless in your sin, lost and broken, not welcomed as a child of God, not to know him in a saving relationship, whether it be in justification or adoption. But from this vantage point, from this height, as you have here in Romans chapter 3 at verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from law has been revealed from that vantage point. All the eyes are opened and the ears are opened. So you see, this is the message that Paul is bringing to us in chapter three. And this message is fundamentally found to have its focus in the Lord Jesus Christ. I close on this thought. If you imagine with me, That man in his sinfulness, being silenced because of his guilt and shame and ruin before an all-holy God. So he's silent. The Bible has told us that that in chapter 3, verse 19. All mouths, every mouth, Jew and Gentile, every mouth is closed. It's closed in silence before a holy God. And at the same time, if you take the thought about how our God is the God who brings forth light and testimony of understanding. Man's mouth is silent. Man of himself doesn't have light and testimony and understanding. But you see, both of these, the silence of the sinner and the darkened heart, the man without understanding, the woman without understanding, find their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ came from heaven. Our God assumes flesh. Our God is born of the virgin. The Lord Jesus Christ comes into this world and we learn from the message of salvation that he came and the story that we pick up the story that we pick up that when he was a little boy a little child he is one to be filled with the spirit he's filled with wisdom and the grace of God is upon him as a young child we're later told that he's growing in stature between favor with God and man Luke chapter 2 but the story happens to us the silence breaks What's that silence that breaks? Our God has come in the flesh in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus. And what is he doing? He's found in Jerusalem. And he's found there with the scribes and the teachers of the law. And the Bible tells us as a 12-year-old boy, he's there. It's so interesting. He's asking them questions. And he's listening to their answers. And the Bible goes on to tell us, Luke goes on to tell us, that he himself is giving answers as well. And that's why they're astonished but this young child who is God himself in the flesh is the one who breaks the silence because these men are astonished these teachers of the law are astonished because he speaks and what he speaks is wisdom and righteousness and holiness and truth and more so Jesus himself is the one who has every every manner of light and truth of understanding they're astonished at his answers what does that mean Jesus Christ is Lord and is Lord of knowledge and Lord of understanding, the very understanding that we need. Lord, teach us the way. Lord, show us the way. Jesus is the fulfillment of this. Listen to Psalm 119. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Listen to the Lord Jesus. You can almost hear his voice in these words here. I am yours. Save me. I've sought your precepts. The wicked wait to destroy me. But I will consider your testimonies. I've seen all the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than all the ancients, because I have kept your precepts. Friends, our salvation is linked first and foremost, not in our experience, but in what God has done in history. He sent his son into the world. And the book of Isaiah tells us that the spirit of the Lord rests upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And it goes on to say his delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by sight of eyes, nor nor decide by the hearing of his ears. That is to say, he's receiving heavenly counsel. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave himself unto his Father. Being the wisdom of God, the light and testimony of truth, and to be the one to go to Calvary's cross for our sins. Our adoption, our family relationship with our God is hooked first and foremost and what God has done in history. He's the God of the Jews. He's the God of the Gentiles. All man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus has come that there might be hope, and light, and truth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, you are our God. You tell us there, here in your Bible the word. You're the God of the Jews and you're the God of the Gentiles. Every creature owes its due to you, O oh Lord. And Father, the same for us. You have caused the season and the time of our births and our days and our years places and our times and father you're the lord of providence and history fundamentally you're the lord of your acts of salvation oh our father hook us back into your word to your design plan your blueprints your instruction manual that through your son the lord jesus christ whom you have provided for us we might have that life and we might have it abundantly Lord, may we know what it means to be righteous according to faith in Christ as we unfold this in the weeks to come. May we know what it means to be loved, adopted, having the favor of our God as sons and daughters. You're our God. Go with us, we ask, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.